So Josh has uh, mentioned that we're in the final week of a, a teaching series together that we've called Holy Maths. And it's been a, a really good series, I think. Um, lots of you have commented on how much you've appreciated it as we've dug into one passage, which we're going to hear read in just a moment, in, in detail, 2 Peter chapter 1. And it feels to us that it's been more than the sum of its parts, pardon the pun, as we've called this series Holy Maths. And I'm going to ask Debbie to come and read the passage for us in 2 Peter 1, and then we'll have a look at it together. So do grab your Bibles and Debbie will read. morning. So if you don't know by now, the page is 1,222 in the Bibles in the church. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Thank you, Debbie. So if you're uh, new today or you're catching up, we've been looking at uh, Peter's simple maths for faith. Hopefully I've got some slides. Thank you. Some simple addition where he describes aspects of our faith and our character that are to be added to our faith to help us to live as disciples. Hence the series title, Holy Maths. If you look at 2 Peter 1 verse 5, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. That's where this series has come from. And then we've looked at the various qualities that are to be added to over the last seven weeks. We've looked at this equation, uh, looking together at uh, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and mutual affection, and today, love. And if we add those things to our faith, that will make us effective and productive in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And today, we finish with love. I don't know what song you think of when you hear that. Is it this, by any chance? Sing along. the arm wavers and the uh, lighters at the back. Marvellous. 
All you need is love, interesting thought. Is love all that we need? Interesting. We're going to think about that a little bit together this morning. Here are a few quiz questions to get your brain cells moving about love. You can shout them out, but first of all, just chat to your neighbour. There's four questions. How many points is the word love worth in a Scrabble game? See if your neighbour knows, and then I'll ask you. If it's not... Okay, okay. If it's not on a double word or triple word, if it's on its own in isolation... Okay, anyone want to shout out? How many? Seven. It's seven. The V is worth four, and the others are worth one each. What if it's on a triple word? If, it, if it's standing on its own, not on a double or a triple word, because that would be too complicated for a Sunday morning quiz, wouldn't it? Now, come on. Okay, what about this one? What is the only Shakespeare play with the word love in the title? Ask your neighbour. Oh, come on. That was too easy. I thought it was quite tricky. What is it? Indeed. Maybe this one's a bit more difficult. Who is the author of the quote, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all?" Chat, chat to your neighbour. What do we think? Anyone got any idea? Just, it's not Justin Bieber. <laughs> Is it Jane Austen? No, it's not C.S. Lewis. It is. Does nobody know? It's not Oscar Wilde. Does nobody know this? I feel like Minister One and Congregation Nil. <laughs> it's not Dickens. It is Alfred Lord Tennyson. I know. And then a final particularly um, uh, highbrow question. Where would you find love handles? <laughs> have no idea what this is about, of course. <laughs> I, um, I put that in and I thought, I don't, I don't quite know how to describe the answer, so I looked it up and it said, an area of skin that extends outwards from the hips, more pronounced in tight clothing. So I'll leave that there for your edification for the sermon this morning. Love is all you need, say the Beatles, and we'll think about whether that's true, and if it is, what kind of love does that mean? Love is the final attribute in this list that we've been looking at uh, in Peter's uh, words here as he describes things to be added to our faith. And the Greek word that he uses is this word, agape, that you may have heard of. Now, this is different to the love that we heard about last week. We had a visiting speaker called Joth Hunt, and he spoke about mutual affection. Mutual affection is about love in friendship, about bonds between two people. The love that he was describing in the Greek is philia, Love. This love uh, at the end of Peter's list is agape love, and it carries with it the idea of sacrifice, an active, sacrificial service for others. And it seems like Peter is building up to this word love in his list here, and it appears at the top of the ladder of virtu virtues. It's the pinnacle, and it's the pinnacle for a reason. And that's borne out elsewhere in the New Testament. For example, in the list of virtues in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these, the one at the top of the ladder, is love. Love is the pinnacle. And in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's the first fruit that is mentioned for the same reason, to give it priority. But the fruit of the Spirit is love first, Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love is the top of the ladder. It's the pinnacle. It's the first of the fruits for life and for health. It's the most important. And the reason that it has priority 
isn't that it is all that we need in isolation, or that actually it's all about us and what we need. It's because at its heart, it reflects the nature of God, and at its roots, this kind of love is about others. Agape love, sacrificial love. It's used 116 times in the New Testament, and it's always used to mean a self-sacrificing commitment. It's the kind of love God has shown us in Jesus that we are now to show others. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved, and so he gave. Love which leads to sacrifice. And I think this is the key big idea for us here when we come to the end of the series, thinking about this kind of love today. And it's this, that love is only love when it is given away. It's really great to be part of dedicating Max this morning. I know that Tim and Becky are full of thanks to God for the precious gift of their children. They recognise how, how blessed they are and they're so thankful. But of course, loving a child is sacrificial. You give away a lot of love when you are a parent. And don't you know it when you are up in the night when they are teething or when you can't go to the toilet in peace because you have a small person following you everywhere. I remember actually locking myself in the toilet and pretending I wasn't in there for a good 10 minutes at a time and my children were little just for some peace and quiet. Sacrificial love. And my prayer for, for Max today and for Lily and in fact all of the children and young people who left for their groups today is that they would grow up knowing the, the deep and sacrificial love of their parents which of course would point them to the sacrificial love of God who loves them even more deeply and wants to walk with them. And in fact, we make a promise as a community because it isn't just parents. We are wanting to give love away in this church and prioritise our children and young people to sacrifice for them so that they can meet Jesus and grow and to flourish. When we read the Bible's teaching on love or, or hear messages or kind of worship songs, it's actually, it's actually easy to zone in on those parts where we hear about God's love for us. And of course, as we prayed today, that's so utterly vital. I'm, you know, I'm all about that. God loves us. Absolutely, yes, he does. But the focus shifts here in agape love to God wanting us to sacrifice and give that love away to others. And that is harder but the beauty of the kingdom of God is that if we don't give that love away, the love that we have is just a diminished and a dulled down version of love. Love is only love when we sacrificially give it away. If it just flows in without ever flowing out, like water, if there's no outflow, it just stagnates. Sacrificial love for those we really care about is one thing. But behind this word sacrifice is a love that is hard, that we're to give away love and to sacrifice when it is hard to do so. In 1 John 3 and 1 John 4, we read about this love, this kind of flow of love that, that flows in and then flows out, that we are to receive and then to give away to others. If you're not sure how important agape love is, these verses really help us to see why Peter then also puts love at the top of his ladder. 1 John 3, John says, 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's how we know what love is, and then we're to follow suits. It's quite strong. We are loved, and we should then lay down our lives for others. And then 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. 
Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Also strong. If we don't love others, there's a question there about our love for God. We love because he first loved us. So as we come to the end of this series, let's hear that challenge and the call to love sacrificially because of the love of Jesus shown to us. Now, what that looks like will be very different for every single one of us here. There will be 200 or more different expressions of what sacrificial love looks like in this room. It could mean a whole dozen different things. What does it mean for you to love when it is hard to do so? What might that mean for the things that you or I might say yes or no to this week and beyond? What might it say about the areas that we give our energies to? What does it mean for the people that we find really difficult? We love because he first loved us. I was inspired this week reading an update from one of the ministries in Ukraine that we are supporting through our Christmas tree appeal, which you heard Roger mention. Our tree hopefully will get filled with baubles as we give monetary gifts towards three ministries working on the ground in Ukraine. And one of them is a ministry called Creativity, led by David and Cassia Butte. Here they are. And they are working on the ground in Ukraine, bringing relief and care out of their church, plus bringing the good news of the gospel in that very difficult war-torn place and um, they've given me permission to share their photo and their words today it was amazing that I was preparing for this and in drops uh, an update email from uh, David Butte and this is what he says in this email last night at church we dug deep into Jesus teaching in Matthew 5 about loving one's enemies one of the interesting points I discovered was in differences of translation I grew up reading the NIV translation and Matthew 5 44 reads but I tell you Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When reading the Ukrainian version, it's much longer. It translates as, and I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you. Trust me, during war, the idea of loving one's enemies becomes much harder to understand and accept. But we can't pick and choose which of Jesus' teaching we follow. We talked about who is our enemy and what it means in practice to love them. When Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say to his executioners that he loved them, but he prayed. Maybe this is how we show love for our enemies, praying for those who are actually trying to kill us by asking God to firstly forgive them and secondly to transform them into new followers of Jesus. It's easy for us to talk about agape sacrificial love, isn't it? I just found that incredibly inspiring that here are these Ukrainians in the face of such incredible unjust opposition trying to seek to apply God's word to their lives. We're not in the same situation, but if you are in pain from opposition or if life is tough or if you are struggling to love those who've hurt you, maybe agape love, it might look like action, but it might look like prayer. The reminder here is that loving Jesus is not about an easy life. We're called to sacrifice. If you are here today and you're a Christian, the good news is that your life isn't going to be easy. 
sorry to be the bringer of that news for you. It just isn't. Fulfilling, yes. Hope-filled, yes. An adventure, yes. But easy, absolutely not. We are, we are called, Jesus says, to take up our cross and follow him. The purpose of Peter's list of attributes building towards love, as we saw from, from this equation, is for fruitfulness. The whole point of adding all these things to our lives is for fruitfulness. And he brackets this list of uh, the seven qualities with two themes. First of all, in verse 5, he talks about uh, make every effort. So the kind of first bookend is hard work. This is going to be, you know, this is hard work. Make every effort to add these things. Elbow grease, put, put some effort into it. And then verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. So actually, there's supposed to be a kind of measurable maturity. You're supposed to try hard with the help of the Holy Spirit, and be able to see that you've made progress. We're supposed to grow and see that we're growing. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that we are thinking as leaders that, that, God, that God has been speaking to us about the themes of discipleship and how we help each other as church family to belong and connect and to grow more effectively. We've been thinking about a kind of discipleship pathway, which means that anybody, whoever they are, and whatever stage we are at, can move along in our journey of belonging and growing here in this church family. I shared with you Jesus' simple model for discipleship, be, become, do. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And the sense that God is calling us back to simple, sacrificial discipleship to Jesus. That in these post-COVID days, this is what we're being asked to do. Come back to sacrificing our lives for Jesus, to taking up our cross, to accepting it's not easy, and laying our lives on this glorious adventure that is following Jesus. I've been away last week on a conference for um, leaders of larger churches, the Larger Churches Conference. I keep calling it the Larger Leaders Conference. That's something else, isn't it? <laughs> That's about getting bigger love handles or something. The amount of food you get on those conferences, it could be called the Larger Leaders Conference, the Larger Churches Conference. And I've got the privilege of serving our wider Baptist family by being part of the leadership team of this network, the Larger Churches Network, and part of that is this annual conference. And really it's for any um, leader of a larger church to find support and resources and friendship, and part of that is this conference. Now, it's really interesting um, to go away and be with other ministers because actually you get a sense, perhaps not just of what God might be saying to your own church, but actually are there themes, are there things that God is saying across the churches? And it was really interesting at that conference as we shared stories and listened to other leaders in, in churches like ours, similar themes were coming through. And the key thing on so many people's radar was discipleship. Discipleship, being disciples that make disciples. And also that one of the biggest challenges for churches post-COVID is about countering consumer culture. What does it look like to replace consumer culture, which is about what I can receive, that it's about me and what I can get, instead to what can I give away? Discipleship culture, sacrifice, sacrificing for others sacrificial love over and above my own needs and wants. One of the leaders there on this conference was a friend of mine called uh, Ricky from uh, Rayleigh Baptist Church, and he shared two pictures that he had taken uh, to talk about perspective in discipleship. And he took these two photos, and they're both taken from exactly the same place, looking at exactly the same scene. The only difference is the object in focus. 
The fence is really stark and prominent in the first. You can't see past it. It's the only thing in view. And it melts away in the second because of the narrow depth of field on the camera settings. The camera is able to catch the ob capture the object in focus beyond it. Two pictures taken in the same place. It depends where you look and what you look at. Agape, sacrificial love, not being a consumer, not being about love is what, all, what I need, all that I need, but being an engaged disciple of Jesus, giving love away, being part of a faith community where measurable growth can happen. And all those things can happen when we've got the right object in focus. Friends, as we come to the end of this series, I, I guess I just want to say, look beyond the fence. The fence is so stark and so present, and it's just right there. All the things that get in the way, that clouds our field of vision, that seem so real, and everything else is blurry behind, distorting what you really want to see and blocking your vision. We look to Jesus. We get him in sharp focus. We love because he first loved us. Get that in perspective. And then from there, we will be able to commit ourselves as his disciples. As we close, it would be good to have some time just to reflect on the series as a whole and uh, all the attributes that we've shared together, accepting that love is the top of the ladder, but they're all really important to be added to our faith. And here's the list of them as a reminder, or if you haven't caught up with all of those or if you're new today, goodness knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. What I'm going to suggest is that the band um, come back up and join us. We're going to have a bit of worship to close. But I just want to give us a moment just to reflect on those attributes. Talk to Jesus about those. Is there one in particular that stood out for you over the last eight weeks? Has God been speaking to you today? Is there one that you know you just need, needs a bit more work and a bit more Holy Spirit help? Do you need to say to God... I'm going to make every effort. I'm sorry I haven't. Let's uh, spend a, a moment in quiet and I'll give you some space for prayer and reflection.